from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. NC State, Wake Forest, 9 o'clock. North Carolina's at Notre Dame. I'm not saying North Carolina's going to lose this game. But if they do, Joe, it's not a wrap for them, is it? No, because they still have those Virginia and Duke opportunities. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of wonky. They certainly don't want to put themselves in a situation where they're they're you know leaving losses off the board, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and we, you know, we, you and I have argued about this before. Do do your losses matter? And you know, last year we saw they lost a pit, and you were ready to you know it was all over. But it's about those opportunities, so. We'll see what we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, they, I, they usually struggle a little bit with Notre Dame. Nate Lashevsky, in particular, yeah. uh, usually eats against them. Yeah, but I mean, you you know you know my, my my feelings on this usually come down to at some point, and this is just like with the college football playoff. At some point, losses do matter. They have to, yeah. And um, if you continue to not look like a tournament team, so to speak, even if you do get the best of your opportunity against Virginia or Duke down the line. All you're doing is putting yourself in a pool of teams that can easily be picked out uh, to not include in the NCAA tournament. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk to Western about that a little bit more. But, you know, we are legally required to talk about the draft. Talk about the draft. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Dennis put this on our radar. USA Today for the win, shaking up the top six with trades. Now we're talking. All these mock drafts have been super lame with, oh, yeah, the Chicago Bears are going to take like an offensive lineman. No! Don't give me that. Give me some drama. And that's exactly what this USA Today mock draft does by saying the Houston Texans will move up with a trade with the Bears, and they're going to take Bryce Young. With their first pick in the draft. And then the Colts, via projected trade with the Bears, would take C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. So they keep moving back, keep moving back, keep moving back. All right, but what about the Carolina Panthers? What are they doing? What are they doing? What's this? They're going to move up? I'll give you one guess as to what the Carolina Panthers will do in this mock draft moving up to the sixth spot. What do you think they do? Let me guess they're going to take the one quarterback that I really, really, really don't want to see in a Panthers uniform. Will Levis, Kentucky. Let's go. Holy mother meatballs! This is what the mock draft says. David Tepper has been quiet as a new <laughs> owner for the first two years of his tenure in Carolina. What? 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 That's not true. That's what? not true. A curious move for a man who literally displayed brass testicles on his work desk for a large period of his life. Yeah, I know it's the profile, right? He made a splash hire by, or you know, he made a splash uh, move by firing Matt Rule. That wasn't a splash; it was like inevitable. Who wrote this? Who wrote? Did you have you been paying attention to the Panthers at all? Who is this? Christian DeAndrea, buddy. Like, did did you put into the AI chatbot, give me a catch me up on the Panthers the last three years? Just what be, is this? Just to be clear here, you're mad at the lack of journalistic integrity yes! at someone who's I'm just saying who is mocking gonna, five trades in a mock draft. If, I'm just trying if, to get this if, clear now. If you're gonna do this, at least get some 
facts right about, well, you know, man, David Tepper hasn't really been done much to make a splash. What? Just enjoy the catnip. Fine, 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 fine. Moving up to sixth allows the Panthers to draft Levis, leapfrogging the Raiders and the Falcons in the process. He's a prototypical NFL quarterback whose efficiency Uh. improved after a breakthrough 2021 season, even as the Wildcats struggled. He'll be an immediate upgrade in Charlotte. Really? And the kind of developmental franchise pass that the team has lacked since Cam Newton's first stint in Teal. Uh, got my attention. Well done, Dennis. You, you, you finally put a mock draft in front of me that went, ooh, only to get me mad with some uh, lack of f- facts. Ruffled the lion's feathers. Yeah, no kidding. That, that ruffled my, my feathers for sure. Ratings are in. I know it's going to come as a shock to nobody who lives around here, but people are all going to gawk at this because, oh, my goodness, the Carolina, Pan- the Carolina Hurricanes actually have people who are interested in them. So ESPN put out, uh, the ratings for the stadium series game on Saturday and pointed out that it averaged 1.1 total viewers and was the most viewed edition of the stadium series since 2019. That was Pitt versus Philadelphia, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins versus Philadelphia. And the 23 stadium series was up 80% from last year's stadium series. Eight zero? 80% over last year's stadium <sighs> series between Tampa Bay and Nashville because nobody cares about you, Nashville. And it's up 13% from the 2020 stadium series between L.A. and Colorado. And viewership peaked with 1.5 million viewers. And it's and it's the second most viewed game of the season across all networks. My personal favorite was <laughs> this year's stadium series was the most watched regular season game all time in the Raleigh market. You don't say. You don't say. Anyway, I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. Also, it turns out... That we love merch here in the Triangle. Uh, The NHL put out this little fun fact sheet. The 23 NHL Stadium Series set game day and e-commerce sales records. It's the uh, Carter Finley set a game day sales record for the NHL Stadium Series, outperforming the previous record holder, the 2017 Series in Pittsburgh, by 2.4% and up more than 13% from Nashville last year, and total online sales at NHL Shop, NHL Shop CA, and across all entire Fanatics networks of e-commerce sites, the highest ever for an NHL Stadium Series game. So as somebody who's been preaching that this shouldn't surprise anybody, this only crystallizes the point that we love a party. We love a big event. And the stadium series was always going to be a success. These numbers just back that up. The merch had been elusive. Do you, do you think some of those numbers, those those positive numbers, are because of the scarcity leading up to the game? I, I think remember it, we had the, we had the uh, ice cap stuff, which was really cool. I think it could have been more. Okay, that's what if this was if this was the number based on the scarcity, as you're because you're yeah. right, it wasn't like you like, couldn't buy decent stuff anyway. Yeah, I, I honestly think people would have purchased more. Look. This is. A I group did see of, a lot of. I did see a lot of those jerseys, including yeah, on my son. So Kelly had one. So my point is, this is the same group of fans that in 2019, during the bunch of jerks run before every playoff game, they were just with it. They had. A, they literally had a shirt press in the plaza, okay, and they were like, whatever the bunch of jerks, you know, vibe of the day was. They were literally give. What was it, like twenty bucks, thirty bucks for that shirt. You literally handed them that $20 bill and then went, here's your shirt. 
So, yeah, man, Canes fans like merch, all right? <laughs> they like merch. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, and w- and one, other, one other ratings note before we move on, because I think people who have listened to the show for a long time uh, have heard me point out that ratings, talking about ratings in 2023 only tells half the story. Understanding that television is what pays the bills, because that that is what pulls in your rights. The reason why people are freaking out right now in the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL with the Bally Sports bankruptcy is because that's where they make a good chunk of their revenue based on selling their broadcast rights to the regional networks. Uh, I think most people have heard me talk about uh, Ben Thompson. He writes this newsletter called Stratechery. And it highlights a bunch of different tech news and everything else. Is that tech strategy George Bush? Yeah, it's a joke on that. Stratechery. It's it's, it. it's it's a joke pretty on clever. that. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is pretty clever. So anyway, he, he, he does a really good job of explaining things like we're five years old. And he pointed this out with Bally that Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL all sell their national rights to national networks and the local rights to regional networks. The national networks and the regional networks monetize through advertising and carriage fees, okay? And that latter part, the carriage fees, is important because everybody who subscribes to a cable bundle pays the fees, which means that non-sports fans are effectively subsidizing sports fans. I've been I've been preaching this for years, okay? I mean, I remember you know, I remember John Swafford, the commissioner of the ACC, getting annoyed at me because I said, "Well, what happens when people stop subsidizing these sports channels because these aren't sports fans?" They're going to find other options, and they're going to move away from cable. Here we are. And as Ben Thompson points out, cord cutting has accelerated over the last couple of years, reducing the number of people who are paying those carriage fees, which means that YouTube, like you're a YouTube TV guy, right? A Hulu. You're a Hulu guy. Well, I'm in this boat too. YouTube, Hulu, and other streaming services are excluding the regional sports networks because they've judged that a small number of people want access to every game. It's not worth the squeeze for them to pay those carriage fees and then pass it along to consumers because the consumers are choosing them because it's cheaper than cable. So they don't want to watch the sports. So customer acquisition benefits don't really mean much to YouTube and Hulu. And since regional sports networks have the highest carriage fees outside of ESPN, that's an easy way to save money. And it hasn't really affected the business model for Hulu and YouTube. So all this is tied together as to why the NHL and the Carolina Hurricanes would be freaked out because – if Bally can't pay and they got to go streaming only, they're not going to be making as much money as they once did. But again, or they have to work harder to sell the ads yes. to make as much money yes. as they once did. But I get I get to this with ratings don't always tell the, the full story. I'm simply pointing out that ratings are what helps stir the drink and make money because we haven't understood how to monetize the other stuff. I mean, speaking from our own experience, radio is still the driver of how we keep the lights on. Like Old school, you listen, we sell ads. That's what drives and keeps the lights on. But that's not to say that we have a lot of our, you know, people who engage with us who never listen to the radio and they engage with us on YouTube or the podcast. But again, monetization is a little bit difficult, which gets us to the NBA. The NBA All Star game ratings were the lowest ever, okay? However, the NA, the NBA pointed out that they had the most viewed Instagram account. This is all for All-Star Weekend. The most viewed Instagram account, most viewed brand account on Twitter, most viewed ever on the NBA app, and the most viewed AT&T slam dunk ever. They pointed out they had 1.7, 1.75 billion 
video views across social media and digital. That's the most ever for an NBA All-Star weekend. That, so that tells you that while the ratings do not make it seem like the NBA is very popular, the other side of the story is that it is popular just on different platforms and people are willing to engage with it in clip form. But again, I get back to a central point. You can't monetize this stuff the same way you can with television and selling the actual games. And therein lies the inflection point for a lot of these sports going forward. Yes, people will engage with your product. They'll engage with your social media accounts. They'll watch clips. They'll watch YouTube. But you can't make money like you can on TV. And something's got to give here. And ultimately, those prices will be passed down to the consumer. So you and I, Julio, if we want to watch the Canes on Bally Sports or whatever comes next, you know what we're probably going to have to pay? If people scoffed at paying 20 bucks a month to get the Canes on an app, what do you think it's going to be when there's no actual carriage fees? Yikes. Yeah, exactly. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You can also see some of our segments, including this one with Wes Durham on YouTube. All you got to do is subscribe to YouTube, look up 99.9 The Fan Raleigh on YouTube, and manipulate the algorithm for us. Wes, I don't know if you know this or not, and Wes Durham joining us now live from Clemson Courtside. Little John, I, I like this. I don't know if you knew this or not, Wes, but when we get to 3,000 subscribers, I will release the footage. We're about 250 away from this. I will release the footage of me <laughs> constructing and consuming the Forbidden Glizzy, which is a Kirkland hot dog stuffed in a chicken oh. bake at Costco. Okay. All right. I thought for a moment that was something they sell at the fair. Who says? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Who says they won't in the future? It's on track. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. All right, so, Wes, let, let's get right down to the hot topic of the week in the ACC and that nobody respects the league, Wes. Nobody respects the league, yeah. even though the net the metrics are what they are. The the league is down. And, no, like, nobody wants to admit it's down. Uh, it's like a it's like ooh how dare you it's 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 a it's a faux pas but we got to be honest about the league and I think that's kind of what the ACC is about is it not it, this is not the SEC this is not the yeah. Big Ten the ACC has had a long history for lack of a better term of credibility we call it like we see it sometimes we're petty but we call it like we see it and if that means that we're we're being harsh on the league so be it because that's what it deserves right now. Well, I think there are two things that come into play. One, I thought Luke DeCock tweeted something yesterday that was really revealing about where the ACC is from a bid standpoint based on non-conference and Power 5 games. When you look at the number of games they've lost to teams uh, lower than 118 in the Ken Palm rating this mm -hmm. year, they've lost 14 more games than they did in the year they got nine bids, I think is what he said. I'm paraphrasing the tweet. But nonetheless, November and December, again, a lot like last year, was not kind to the ACC. No. I think that's part of the problem. I think the other part is that the landscape changed on this deal, and November and December now count. Mm -hmm. I think in the old – and Julio knows this because I think he and the Got Man used to have the, the chemistry project done in 
at Raleigh about how the RPI used to work, right? Remember, you couldn't play the – what was Godfrey's deal? Couldn't play anybody lower than 235, right, Joe? He tried to play every team that was either picked to win their conference or picked yeah. second. Right. And you can't go now and play somebody just to say, okay, we got to get a tune-up game in. Because if you're going to play that tune-up game, A, you have to win it, and B, you got to beat them. And last night's a really good example of what the net now is. Pitt wins the game, single-digit victory against Georgia Tech. They drop a spot. Yeah. Georgia Tech loses a road game, and they go up four spots or whatever it is in today's net. So back that up into November and December, and we need to start looking at the November-December non-conference schedule, who you're playing, and making sure you're winning those games. Wes Stewart on ACC Network joining us here on the OG ESPN. Uh, he's at Clemson. This is another issue, too, where uh, teams will will ebb and flow as the year goes on, which is why I think they need to revisit how we assess November and December. If, we, if, if, coaches, if coaches recognize that the construction of basketball teams is wholly different now than it was five years ago, where you, you're bringing in transfers that sometimes hit right off the bat, look at NC State, or you've got a team – like John Shires at Duke, where it's a mix of transfers and freshmen, and they've had some injury issues, and they haven't really had the same lineup until recently, and I think they're kind of coming into their own now. I, I know they got rid of the last 10 not that long ago. I almost feel like they got to bring the last 10 back because it's a better picture I, of where your team is. I don't disagree with that, and I think that the one thing we have to all agree to this is the landscape of college basketball has gotten so volatile in the last five years, and oh, by the way, that's been the five years we've had the net. Yeah. Okay, and I don't disagree with the fact that I think you need to look at kind of the the pros and cons of where the game is. Look, Jim Laranega told Dan Bonner and I three weeks ago prior to a ball game here at Clemson for his Miami team that he used to be able to kind of insert freshmen in the first eight to ten games to kind of, you know, see where they would fit in his rotation once he got into like mid-December, late December and into conference play. He said, I had to worry about winning the games this year. Brad Brownell talks about a loss early in the year at South Carolina where they're up eight with four to go. And he, because PJ Hall was on a pitch count minute wise and things like that, he put some young guys in. Right. Next thing you know, South Carolina comes back, they end up winning the game. That's the kind of thing you can no longer do. You can't look, I'll give you an example. 1977, December of 77, North Carolina played at William and Mary on a road game, right? They lost the game in a Carolina team that later ended up winning the ACC uh, tournament, I think. Mm -hmm. And when you when you look at that was Phil Ford's senior year, by the way, you lose at William and Mary, you take a loss like that now on the road at William and Mary, and they end up not having a great year. You can't get away from that game. Think about the teams that can't get, I mean, Clemson's a really good example. You know, they can't get away from Loyola, Chicago. Uh, they're having a hard time getting away from South Carolina. They're, they may not be able to get away from Louisville at, at years in but the reality of it is you can't even work through some things if you're gonna you know roll the dice on a chance you're gonna lose a game well Wes when I think about it there's a couple of things number one Loyola is a team first of all that's a good, that's a good game it's a neutral site game I don't know how you're right. supposed to avoid something like that I mean that's silly but I, I do think that I do think the NCAA tournament field is going to expand that's number no one. Question. I think we're yeah. going to get to 90 teams or whatever it, it ends up being. So that's, I mean, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs after that point. So some of these concerns we have right now are going to be alleviated. 
it didn't really crystallize for this for me today until we actually had a conversation with one of the coaches, and that is, who's actually playing the NIL game in the ACC? Because we, it's not we're not being accusatory when we say Alabama, Auburn, oh. Kentucky, Tennessee. Like just just go through the whole SEC list, like right. the, Arkansas. Those are all right now top twenty programs. And they're playing by the rules, but they're participating in the NIL game, and they're That's getting right. and they're getting players from the state of North Carolina, by the way. So, yep. uh, when we legitimately look at the ACC, and, and I believe you you share my opinion that Miami is the best team in the ACC. Correct. Okay, we know that they've willingly played the NIL game. NC State, Absolutely. NC State this year, big turnaround. They've willingly played the NIL game with their roster this year. I look at some of these other schools, and I get it. Probably there isn't a planet where Clemson basketball participates in the NIL money, but we know Wake doesn't. We know Georgia Tech doesn't. Clemson's not going to be throwing money around. Carolina, you could make money like a Baycott uh, and the returning guys, but they're not going to go buy a player out of the portal. So uh, some of this seeps down from the mentality from Jim Phillips, which is, Man, we really got to protect women's volleyball. Man, we really got to protect rowing. No, dude, you, you got to make improvements in your revenue sports. And part of that is getting out of this concept of oh, that that there is no such thing as NIL, that there is no such thing as the players sharing in the revenue. In in this particular case, they're generating billions. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I, I think you bring up a really good point about NIL. I think here's the other thing, too. We've also got to take a hard look. If revenue is going to be a big part of this, and I think it is, right, we've got to take a hard look at how college basketball is packaged as well. Yeah. You guys know what I mean. I mean, we're playing 20 conference games. Everybody was all up in the arms about the 20 league games. 20 league games hasn't hurt the ACC. No. It's changed the metric of who might make the tournament and who might not. What's What we got to figure out is what's the methodology on non-conference games and how do we get the most out of college basketball in one swing annually? You know, there's that check and balance between home games, neutral yeah. sites, MTEs, and all that. We got to figure that part out too, Julio. Do you know who has it figured out? For real. This hurt Kevin a couple years ago. Kevin Keats at NC State. Josh Pastner did the smartest thing I've seen anybody do because the committee doesn't count Division II games. So you are literally better and, and, uh, Props. I think it was either Wichita State or one of the other uh, mid-major programs had done this already. When you take a break during conference play, play a Division two game. Yeah. Doesn't count because the data is not considered hmm. by the NCAA Wichita tournament. Wichita played four days. Yeah, That's what I it was. Wichita it was Wichita because it was like, hey, and I remember one of the teams had lost, and it was like, or no, it was hurt by playing a three hundred plus team, and it was like, you, there is no punishment. For playing a Division Two team, I, and and that's what Pastner wanted to do. And obviously, he's in a different situation this year, but he sure. wanted to take a break and maybe get some other guys some play that haven't had a chance to play. That's a really well, smart move. And not, not great for TV. <laughs> not Josh great for you. Like Josh doesn't like his buys. He doesn't like yeah. buys and schedules. Told me that. Yep. But here's the other thing: if if we're going to create revenue for the ACC, and I said this with AG earlier in the week, obvious. I find a way to bring the Big Four back. 
find a way to create some sort of well this is where know, the coaches this, regionalization this, but here's the thing this is where the this is where the coaches come into play right and look, look I get where Gilio is going I, this is where, I get where Gilio is going with hey Jim Phillips there are things that you can do this is this is this is not a, well, it's the mindset it, is what I'm getting at. but there's also another mindset that is now pervasive in college athletics where the coaches are very insular okay Wes, no, but 90 teams are going to make the tournament to Gilio's point. Well, but here's where I'm getting with this in terms of monetization and doing things like the Big Four tournament and, and, and making it interesting. Like, I didn't scoff at the idea of whoever it was from like Fishbait Solutions, whoever it was, to create more opportunities of Duke Carolina, Carolina playing. Like I, eight more times. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate the idea because we've seen it before in the ACC. Okay. Yeah. We've seen it before. All right. Sure. But it's how it's packed. It can't just be Duke and Carolina. I mean, Jillio and I are getting excited about the possibility that Greensboro is going to feature Wednesday and Thursday where all four of these teams, State, Carolina, yep. Duke, and Wake, can play in all four of those games. That's, That's kind of right. cool. That's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Yep. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The coaches today don't want to play the game, all right? The successful coaches, the, the ACC was built on – coaches with personas the college sure. game in general is built on a cult of personality and right. i don't want to make it seem like get off my lawn because i wasn't even around for this stuff but you hear the stories <laughs> of even the guys who didn't win it's always like well they won championships did what did bobby uh, cremens what did bobby cremens did bobby cremens ever win a championship no no but bobby cremens is beloved because he was a character go back right. and watch requiem for the big east the espn 30 for 30 from several oh, years yeah. ago okay watch that all those guys were characters, and that's why yep. people loved the Big East, and they were sad to see it go. Now I want you to fast forward to today, all right? Now, no, Wes, not, a, not a character. <laughs> Wes, I'm not trying to put you in trouble because you're close to these guys, but I want you to talk about the dynamics of what exists today. John Shire, dude just got there. He's learning, okay? He's learning. Hubert sure. Davis is too busy, like, treading water right now with this group to really even be concerned with what's going on. All right, so what are we left with? All right, if Duke and Carolina, if Duke and Carolina Forbes. are off the board, what are we left with? Oh, All Forbes right. is great. Steve Forbes is great. The problem yep. is nobody thinks of Wake Forest as like a as a perennial top team. Josh Pastner is a character, but he's at Georgia Tech and they and they're terrible. So who are the most successful? Who are the most successful coaches? Okay, okay, who am I thinking about? Who's won a national championship recently? Oh yeah, Tony Bennett at Virginia. But Tony Bennett is like in a cave. And doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to stump for the league. And Virginia fans will get mad at me for saying that because he's nothing but class. He's this, 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 and that. But he doesn't stump. He's not stump. a bad guy. He's, he's not just... a bad. Nobody's saying he's a bad guy. He just doesn't stump for the league. Yeah. He's not I, a personality. So if but if that's, that's what I'm like, and Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim wants to fight people and accuse people of buying teams, <laughs> and nobody likes Jim Beheim. So this is what we're left <sighs> with, and people wonder why the ACC is not loved anymore because there's hey, nobody by the way, lovable. By the way, look at my proximity to the Syracuse bench tonight. I'm a little concerned at times. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's another matter too. You want to get Gilio going? Guess who's going to be uh, sitting upstairs tonight? I'm going to buy a ticket tonight. Oh, look for you. Look at you. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get heated here, but it's like, why doesn't anybody love us? Well, because who's lovable right now? I got you. I understand. Ain't no well, care. You're saying is, but, lovable and good. You're, you're on the yeah, lovable scale with but, good. Yeah, I know. Joke, I know. That goes back to the whole transition of power and yeah. all the landscape changes. David Teal wrote about this at the ACC tournament going into 2020 that within the next seven years, we might see five Hall of Fame coaches leave. Well, guess what? 
two of them already have. Yeah, we got – right now, by my count, we got, like, of the realest of the real in the ACC, Jeff Capel is number one, all right? The realest of the real. real. Okay. Number two would be Steve Forbes in terms of yep. realest of the reals. And look, shout out to Kevin Keats, uh, who real. Is, is real as well. Uh, but, you know, my, my point here is that if you're looking at these teams, they're with teams that haven't had that perennial success, and that also matters too because winning does matter. I, I recognize There's that winning matters. Yeah. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Uh, so what if Carolina loses tonight? They got Notre Dame. Uh, well, first of all, Carolina's RP, uh, net is 48 today, and Notre Dame's is 195. So Oof. if Carolina loses tonight, that's not a good thing. Okay. How's that? That's a okay. really bad thing. And I don't know that it's recoverable outside of winning in Greensboro. How's that? I mean, they still have those Q1 opportunities in front of them. Man, you're, I think I, what Jillio, they do. They what have Jillio Virginia saying, and Duke. All right, let me put it this way. What Jillio was saying without saying it is it's Carolina. So, therefore, they're going to get the no, benefit of the doubt. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not if saying that at all. I'm if, saying they have – no, no, no. I'm not doing that. Joe, what I'm saying to you is – we, we okay now. We literally strip Carolina off the no, name. No, no, I know that, but we saw this last year, and it was Carolina. Okay, they lost to Pitt at home, and it was oh the season's over. Now, right, the task was daunting. It was okay. It was, but they had to go to Virginia Tech, who they struggle with Mike Young, and then they had to go to Duke in Mike Shashevsky's final game. They still had to win those games. They did. Do I think it would be great for Carolina to lose tonight? I do not. I do not. <laughs> not ideal. Because they have 16. Sub- this is one of your favorites. What What do you look like on Selection Sunday with 22 wins instead of 19? Right. Right? That when you and I argue about what, what losses matter and which ones mm-hmm. don't. All I'm saying to you is if they happen to lose tonight, their opportunity right. remains the same. Okay. They would have to beat both Virginia I, and Duke. I don't and know then, about that. And then no. run in Greensboro. Run. I, I I, I think Virginia is still – I mean, Virginia and Duke loom to be the largest games out there for Carolina remaining, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. That, that's what I'm saying. They could, If they yeah, win I mean, those games, they're ba- right back in a conversation. But they're easy cannon fodder for the from here to Greensboro if they lose tonight. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Wes. I'm with you. And, yeah. and, and oh, you're saying if they lose if they the game lose tonight, mentally, how would they, they recover tonight, and beat yes, Virginia and Duke? Virginia Duke? But they're cannon fire. I got you. Yeah. For I, I, I got yeah. you. I got you. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN. All right, Wes, uh, I, I appreciate the therapy. Uh, you sat there and you, and you listened to me. Hey, by the way, good. can I just say that Gilio's insightful analysis with OG analyst Sidney Lowe was terrific. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> best players got to be your best players, man. I was – Literally, they had Make that your best luncheon. Game, best players got to be your best players. They had that luncheon today, and I knew I would see all of the regular crew. I haven't seen Sid. I obviously covered him when he was a coach, and we have a great relationship. And it was just good to see him, first of all. But then I was like, oh, I told him, yes, even I need, I need those two things. Because I have absolutely, absolutely in the pack therapy open, but I didn't have your best players have to be your best players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Got to make shots. Got to make shots. Got to make shots. Hashtag, hashtag got to make shots. Ah, make or miss. Everyone goes on a run. Ah, it is a game. Right, maybe runs. I'll get him tonight. Maybe I'll get him tonight. It too. is. It is a game of runs. All right, Wes, we appreciate guys. it, man. We'll talk to you later. Wes, Durham, Macy, oh, look, hey, oh, no, hey, who's look, that? Look, it's the GA. It's oh, perfect. Oh, okay, there we go. Hey, make amen. Make this league, fellas. Make this league. I've been saying for the past four weeks. So make this league. See you guys.